This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. A fellow whom we'll call John Doe, always worried about everything. His friends knew him as a continuous worrier. But one day a friend named Bill saw John Doe bouncing along down the street, seeming to be very happy. John was actually whistling a tune, wearing a big smile. He looked as if he didn't have a care in the world. Well, this obvious change in attitude was so surprising that Bill stopped John and asked him, Hey, John, what in the world has happened to you? You don't seem to be worried any more about anything. I never saw a happier man in my life. Oh, that's right, John replied. A wonderful change has occurred in my life, and I haven't worried about anything for several weeks now. Well, Bill was thrilled to hear hear the good news, but he was frankly quite curious as to what had happened. How did you get this change in your outlook, he asked. John replied, well, you see, Bill, I hired a man to do all my worrying for me. Bill smiled and said, oh, I see. How much does he charge you to do all your worrying for you? He charges me $1,000 a week, John answered. $1,000 a week, exclaimed Bill. How could you possibly raise $1,000 a week? I don't know, said John. He's worrying about that too. (laughs) All of us at some time or another have wished for someone to help us carry the burden of our problems. The good news of the gospel is that God is trying to help us in all our problems, whatever they may be. The Bible tells us to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. But in spite of all this, the vast majority of us still go ahead and worry about some things that will never happen, things that lead us to despair. Worry is an attitude of the mind, a way of thinking about life. Jesus understood the destructive power of worry, and he commanded us not to worry. He offered the way to be freed from worry. And if you'll take your Bible, you'll read in Matthew chapter 6 what Jesus had to say. I won't take time to read it right now, but read it for yourself. The Greek word for worry literally means to divide, to rip, or to tear apart. Some scholars translate this word as to divide the mind or to go to pieces. Another source says that the word worry has its roots in an Anglo-Saxon word, which means to strangle or to choke. Those who are constant worriers don't need a preacher to stand up and tell them about excessive worry and what it's like and something that strangles and chokes or causes one to go to pieces. You already know that. But there are some other truths that may not be known by those who worry. First, worry is a sin against God. If Jesus said not to worry, then if we do worry, then we're sinning against him by disobeying him. Secondly, the person who lives daily with worry is in a growing state of depression, anxiety, and headed toward despair. Third, if if you worry, your physical health is in serious jeopardy. You're in the process of tearing down the cells of your body. 
Oh, how grateful we should be, though, that Jesus did not just tell us to stop worrying. He told us how to exchange the worry attitude for the faith attitude. As I hear Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, I hear him talking about three areas of concern if we're going to find freedom from the destructive power of worry. What are those areas? First, material things. When we worry, we're saying, whether we realize it or not, that God is not interested in meeting our material needs. Worry is an expression of faithlessness. The fact is that God is deeply interested in our needs. Engrave this fact on the tablet of your mind. God loves you and he cares very much for you. The way Jesus tried to get this truth across was to give a comparison of the gifts that God has given. First of all, God has given us life. This is one of the big gifts. Now, if God cares about our life, won't he surely care about smaller gifts? He can be trusted to see that the smaller things that support life are absolutely going to be supplied. So to impress his listeners upon the worth of their lives to God, Jesus used an illustration of the birds. You remember what he said? Look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food. For your heavenly father feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than they are. That's Matthew 6, verse 26. Birds are not lazy. Have you ever watched birds build a nest or feed their young? You know they are diligent workers. They work, but they don't worry. They live one day at a time and God meets their daily needs. If God is interested in meeting the needs of little birds, then surely he's interested in us. We are more valuable than birds because we are made in the image of God. I remember when I was just a little boy, I got my first slingshot. It was long before the days I could be trusted with a BB gun. A friend of mine made this little slingshot for me. It was neatly carved out of the fork of a tree limb and, and he had carefully notched it out and equipped it with a strong piece of rubber and a little leather piece that held the stone that I could shoot. As soon as I got my slingshot, the first thing I wanted to do was go hunting. I really didn't expect to be good enough to hit anything, but I went out to the woods near my house anyhow. After playing around with it for some time, I saw some little birds in the trees nearby. I guess they were sparrows probably. So I crept up to where they were and took careful aim and fired the shot. I cannot describe the feeling I had when I actually hit a bird and saw it fall to the ground. I don't know if it was the bird I was aiming at or not, but I lost no time in running over there and picking up that bird. It was a sense of accomplishment that I felt in killing my first little bird. But there was also another feeling which was very strong in my heart as I looked down at the helpless little bird which I had just killed. I felt sort of mean and dirty and cruel. Can you feel that feeling with me? In some ways, I think God has that same attitude toward the birds that I had that day. If God cares for the little birds, then surely he cares for us. You know the song, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me.
Jesus also referred to the lilies of the field. These were the scarlet poppies that bloomed for only one day on the hillsides in Palestine. And when the flowers stopped blooming, women gathered them and they used them as burning material to put in their cooking ovens. And yet God still clothed those flowers in a beauty that far surpassed the splendor of Solomon. Jesus was simply saying that if God values the flowers, then surely we can know he values us far more. Do you ever worry about material things? Have you ever felt that you were going along just keeping up with your finances? Then something came along that was totally expected. You didn't know where the money was coming from to take care of that unexpected bill. Did you worry about it? Oh, what a great temptation it is to worry about material things. I wonder sometimes what would happen if, if we could just take a situation like I've just described and when it comes our way, pause and breathe a short prayer, committing the whole thing to God, asking for his help and telling God we're going to trust him now for the answer. Oh, how much better that would be than spending our energies in undue worry. Now, this attitude is not evading our proper responsibilities. We certainly need to keep busy and working and planning and doing our best. Oh, yes. But after we have given our best to a situation, then we need to stop short of worry about how God's going to provide the answer. God cares about the birds and the flowers, but I've got a sneaking notion that he cares far more about the problem that looms so big in front of you right now. Don't you really think so too? Jesus said we shouldn't worry about material things. But there's a second area of concern where Jesus wants us to be free from the destructive power of worry. This is in the mental or the physical. I'm referring here to our bodies, our minds. If worrying were something that helped us, I really believe Jesus would have suggested or maybe even commanded that we ought to worry a little bit more. But Jesus knew that the worry attitude is destructive to our personality. I want to ask you, if you will, to try a little experiment with me for just a minute. I want to ask you to make a fist with your hand. Hold it just as tight as you possibly can, either hand, left or right. Now, squeeze it just a little bit tighter, your fist. And when you feel the urge to relax your hand, don't do it. Instead, squeeze it just a little bit tighter. Now, keep this up until I tell you to stop. While you're doing this, let me say that emotional stress can affect the tone of your muscles. Have you ever felt your muscles tightening up when you become angry or frightened? What does a cat do when it's frightened by the sight of a dog? If it can't run away or climb a tree, that cat tenses up, its hair stands out, or maybe it stands straight up like mine and its legs become rigid at the sight of the threatening dog. Uh, are you still holding that fist? Is there any pain in your hand right now? If you're holding that fist tighter and tighter, there should be some pain by now. Okay, now relax your fist. Oh, what a sweet relief it is. Now, the reason I've asked you to do this simple little exercise is to show you that tightened muscles can produce pain. 
Now, if you multiply this several times over, you'll understand why it is that people with chronic anxieties, excessive worries, and great emotional stress often suffer a great deal with things like tension headaches, tightened neck muscles, stomachs tied in knots, and a host of other possible maladies. One doctor said that anxiety places more stress on the heart than any other stimulus, including physical exercise or fatigue. The great physician, Jesus, was absolutely correct when he said that worry won't add a single moment to your life. The truth is that worry definitely reduces your lifespan. God cares. He's concerned about your mental and your physical needs. Well, there's a third area of relationships, which is one that really encompasses these first two, I think. This is the spiritual. The destructive power of worry can be broken if we follow what Jesus said for us to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's Matthew 6, verse 33. This means we're to put our faith in God and not in ourselves. We're to trust the Lord, even when we don't feel like it. We're to live by faith and not by our feelings. Isn't it strange the way we all know we're saved by faith, but somehow we think that once we're saved, then all the rules change and we need to start depending on feelings. How hard it is to learn that we also live by faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to inner peace and tranquility. How do you begin? Best place I know to begin showing your faith in Him is by thanksgiving. Thank God for the good things. Are there more bad things in your life right now? All right. Then thank Him even when you face troubles. Not for the troubles, but thank Him that He's there. I disagree with some people who say that we are to thank God for bad things. No, we're not to thank him for bad things, but we are to thank him in bad things. Remembering that in all things, God is working for the good to them that love him. Even in the most tragic circumstances in the life of a believer, God is able to bring about good. And this is a truth that you want to thank him for. Paul says it in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, what a marvelous promise. When we exchange the worry attitude for the faith attitude, then the peace of God takes over our minds and our hearts. And this comes through prayer and thanksgiving, trust in Him, faith in Him, not our feelings. The poet has said it this way, worry, why worry? What can worry do? It never keeps the trouble from overtaking you. It gives you indigestion and wakeful hours at night and fills with gloom the days you have, however fair and bright. It puts a frown upon your face and sharpness in the tone. We're unfit to live with others and unfit to live alone. Worry? Why worry? What can worry do? It never keeps a trouble from overtaking you. Pray? Why pray? 
What can praying do? Praying really changes things, arranges life anew. It's good for your digestion, gives peaceful sleep at night, and fills the grayest, gloomiest day with rays of glowing light. It puts a smile upon your face, the love note in your tone, makes you fit to live with others and fit to live alone. Pray? Why pray? What can praying do? It brings God down from heaven to live and work with you. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, verse 3. So let me ask you, in whom do you trust? Oh God, we all need to be freed from the destructive power of worry. It just works its way into our lives, and we know it's there. Forgive us, O God, for sinning against you by not trusting you. Help us to trust you more and more and be released from this old destructive power of worry. We pray in the name of one who makes all this possible, Jesus our Savior. Amen.